This episode is brought to you by 9AM Health. 9AM Health, diabetes care that fits your life. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the final episode of Healing in Hindsight. The end of season three is here, y'all. I am your host, Taylor Danielle. If you are new here, don't worry. You can always go back and listen to the previous episodes. If you are returning, welcome back. And thank you so much for being on this journey with me for this season. It has been an amazing time. I am so excited for you guys to hear this episode because it's with two people who I admire very much. They're like big sisters. They're basically like my podcast mentors. And it only was fitting that my 30th episode be with the host of Almost 30. Krista and Lindsay, I met them a couple of years ago. I'd say, was it 2000, 2018? Let's go with that. 2017, 2018, I had just started my new job and they were on tour for their podcast and just happened to be setting up shop in the building that I was working in at the time. And I had the opportunity to meet them in person and connect with them. And they are just absolutely amazing human beings. Now, I had been listening to their show two years prior and binge listened to everything that they had done so far and it caught up. And fast forward to now, they've been, you know, doing the show for five years now. And I'm even a moderator for one of their Facebook groups. And so it has been such an honor to not only get to watch their growth and their journey as podcasters and people who I feel have great things to share. Uh, I truly love the show and I've loved watching them evolve, but to get to connect with them, you know, more closely and to essentially work for them, it has been such an honor and they have had such a big influence on the show. There's a couple of elements of the show. I won't tell you what, I'll keep it a mystery, but there's a couple of elements of the show that they, you know, influenced and that they helped uh, me, you know, figure out and pull out. And so I just cannot express enough how appreciative I am of Krista and Lindsay. They have always been open to Anything that I've had to say, they've always been great at giving me insights on how I can improve and just accepting me as a human being in general. It's hard to meet other people who appreciate you as you are. And especially as women, I know that we have the tendency to be super judgmental of others that we come in contact with. But I felt like from the very beginning of meeting them, they have always, you know, been genuine with me and have appreciated me as I've grown and evolved myself. So it's super bittersweet because it is the last episode of the season. We're going to take a nice long break, but don't worry, we will be back with season four. I'm really excited for just the content and the ideas that I have for season four. So I hope you'll stick around up until then. But for now, here is my conversation with Krista and Lindsay of the Almost 30 podcast. Perfect. You're listening to Healing in Hindsight, your no BS source for thriving with diabetes. What's up, guys? I'm Taylor Danielle, and it's my goal to help millennial diabetics like myself live an amazing life without your diagnosis getting in the way. I get it. I was diagnosed back in 2015 with type 2 diabetes, 
And it was really hard to find people around my age to understand how to travel, socialize, or even have meaningful relationships. But I feel like with a focus on mindset, perspective, and nutrition, together we can take back our health and our lives. Consider this the red table talk, but for diabetics. Minus the entanglement, so. So let's do it. Okay, this is really creepy because four years ago, I did not think that I would be sitting with the two of you, Krista and Lindsay. How the hell are you? How the heck are you? We're so good and so proud of you. It's actually crazy for us, too. I started Mm -hmm. listening to you guys on your show probably two years before I officially met you. And then to meet y'all in person on tour was really cool. And I thought that was it. Like, that's this the highlight of my almost 30 journey. You know, I'll, I'll still be listening and, and tuning into all the things. But I would never have imagined A, having a podcast and B, having you guys not only be on my podcast, but be the 30th episode of my podcast for the season finale. So this is a very special moment for me, and I'm, I'm really excited to get to pick y'all's brains today. Oh, we're honored, truly. I mean that. It's cool. Yeah, it's so exciting. You were so significant when we met you in Austin. Like, you were such a prominent person at tour, at that tour event. And yeah, I'll just never forget it. And you've been such a help with us and Lindsay and we really trust you and I feel like we really know you so it's just like our joy like whatever you need and I'm so proud of you for I see you I see you stepping into who you want to be and who you really are meant to be and it's really powerful thanks guys I'm not gonna cry I'm not gonna do it but I know. We when can't I cry. am I'm like, oh. we can cry actually cry <laughs> liberate, liberate your tears <laughs> you know my therapist tells me that all the time because it's still one of those things now I'll, I've gotten better I, I've acknowledged that I'm a crier and I've accepted that I'm a crier. I just like to still control that space. That's my burden oh, when no. me coming out. Like I need to, I need to know what's, what's your sign. What's your sign? So your... I'm a Capricorn Sun, Cancer Rising, okay. and Virgo Moon. Got it. It's uh-huh. that Cancer. Yeah, yeah. All the stuff. Got me. Yeah. <laughs> and my sister's a Cancer, and she's also a Virgo Moon. Mm-hmm. And my dad is a Virgo. You know, I just. I learned all the tendencies from both sides very closely. Yes. Yeah, yeah. But my chart has a lot of Capricorn in it. I think six. Same. Six does not surprise me at all. Yeah. Yeah, Lindsay's a Virgo. I'm a Virgo rising. And then almost 30 is a triple Virgo. Oh, wow. You, did, you can do the chart of your business or your podcast, like whenever you launched it into the world. And we did the chart of almost 30 when we first launched our show. And she's a triple mm. Virgo. Oh, I need to do that. I just know it's, it's August yeah. 15th was when I there launched. There you go. So it'll be year a year and a couple months. Leo, wow. baby. Mm-hmm. Oh wow! I don't know much about that. <laughs> <laughs> I tend to, I to gravitate towards the same signs. I'm surrounded by Virgos, Gemini, and then Aquarius or a couple Pisces, but mostly mm-hmm. Aquarius are very prominent. Mm-hmm. And then my super close friends, a couple Aries, and one of my best friends. She's a Sag Scorpio cusp. And she likes to deny her Scorpio side, but it comes out all the time. <laughs> and then I have another Scorpio friend. So those are usually the the realm of which I find myself yeah. right with. So it's, it's really interesting. I got to say, my history with y'all is so interesting because I was listening to you guys two years prior to meeting y'all. And I remember it was right around the time when my partner had moved here probably have been here maybe six months and then we moved into a place together and so I was close to the train station because I was working downtown and I would listen to you guys on my way to work because it was about an hour commute anyways um 
and I binge like from episode one. So when y'all did the the listen back of <laughs> listening to your first episode, it made me think of that moment because I was like, okay, cool. And then to hear the evolution of y'all's show, I'm like, oh, okay, I get it now. Like, but. I enjoyed it at the time because I was late. I was late to the party of discovering y'all. So I've been two years worth of, of episodes before I gotten caught up. And then, you know, you guys went on tour and I met you at the tour and I thought that was it. And then this past year, you know, you guys had opened up opportunities to moderate for you guys. And I'm like, yeah, I'd be in the group. You know, Krista would call me out all the time. It's like, is that Taylor? And I'm like, yeah, how'd you meet? 50 of us in here. Okay, cool. And so to uh, actually work for you guys, in a sense, it's it's pretty surreal. Mm. Like, what? <laughs> so I'm really excited. You guys have been, I, I told my parents actually this past week, and I'm like, I get to interview my podcast mentors. Y'all didn't know that. But I thought of, what is her name? Cheryl from uh, the Lean In book and how she talked about women and mentors and how we were in this habit of just going and asking people to be them versus asking what we needed. And so that's what I had to do. I had to learn that really hard with it. I was like just asking y'all for help because I don't like doing that. But I'm like, who better to learn how to do this show than the two people that I've listened to for a few years now? And I'm like, mm-hmm. I can literally text you now. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, mm-hmm. are they going to hate me if I ask this question? No. Like, what? Mm-hmm. And so you guys have been so helpful. And so thank you for all that you've done for me personally and for for pushing me to, to pursue this because I literally would not be doing it had I not uh, come in contact with you guys. Mm. Um, thank you so much. Yeah. Well, you've been so helpful for Lindsay and I too. You know, like whenever we've had anything go on in the community, you've always been someone that has been incredibly honest. And I'll never forget one time I was really going through it with a community issue and I was like crying on our voice notes, whatever. <laughs> and you're like, Krista, you got to get it together. <laughs> you literally were just like, you're being nice. you literally you're being real down. Nice. You were like, no, it was like, Krista, you got it. It was like, you have to be the leader that you are. And it was so like, I was like, whoa, it just was, you spoke a lot of truth. And it's not always that someone that is working with you or, you know, originally listened to your stuff or admired you and then starts to work with you can be really honest and can still be themselves. And you've really managed to always be yourself, you know, in the entire time that we've known you, like you have a very dedicated sense of self. And I've always really appreciated how honest you've been with us. Like it's been helpful for our growth and it's been something that I really admire and count on and I really look up to it. So I just really appreciate that. I'm glad because after I, I, finished that uh, that note back to you I was like "Ooh, was that was that too much was that too rough <laughs> dang you know because no you know I tried to adjust to to people in those moments and well, um, like, y'all know me tough love soundboard I'm like I'm gonna have to tell to you straight I love you but I need you to know this like right now yeah <laughs> yeah know, so. I feel like being an adult though now like I I feel like I'm more attracted to people who will give it to me straight and will take the time yeah. to be honest you know like I'm almost a, like averse to anything else, you know, and it's just yeah. really refreshing. So I hope that never changes. Yeah, yeah, no. it's powerful. I uh, and you can't grow with yes people around. You know, you can't no. grow if like everyone on there's yeah, you're doing a great job or yeah, totally. You know, blah blah blah, because it's not really true and it wasn't really what was needed at the time. And I think that was incredibly truthful. Yeah, you know for. And it was helpful for me as a leader. You know, I have my moments and I can have those moments for sure of like vulnerability of like struggle. And I can, you know, really lean on Lindsay for that. But it's like when I am in conversation with a community leader 
if I want to be seen as a leader, I need to act as a leader. Yeah. And that doesn't mean I'm cold. That doesn't mean I'm a bitch. That doesn't mean I can be my, I can't be myself, but it means that I need to stand in confidence with however I'm acting or whatever I'm doing or whatever we're saying, because if you're not confident in yourself, then the group will be like, who do we trust? Yeah, and, and it was it was interesting watching that whole thing unfold and seeing the ripple effect yeah. because it taught me a lot before I even decided to even jump in the space myself. I was like, you know, do I really? I've always been that person not afraid to step up, but I've always found myself in this in between speaking for the people and like talking to leadership, even in my past roles in the corporate side of things. That's always what I did. And so getting to practice that was something that I truly care about and that I see a lot of, of good coming from was a big learning opportunity for me because it's like, okay, as I'm trying to build my brands and, and, you know, figure out who I am and what I want to represent, this is something to learn from because ain't nobody going to like me all the time and that's okay. But how do I manage that? And how do I take in the voices that matter versus the ones that don't? And so it was, it was rocky and I, I was nervous at a couple of times, but I'm glad that we, you know, banded together to figure it out and navigate that because I don't think you see many people have as much grace in those spaces when things are, you know, going everywhere. And so it was nice to be a part of that and to really support you in that because I know it was hard, <laughs> but it was growth for everybody. So thank you. I'm glad I was helpful. So obviously I know y'all and I try to think of ways of not making the, who are you question be so like interviewee, like for a job, do you want to start when I was born kind of thing? Because I hate those questions. So I'll keep it simple. I, I would love to know if you could tell everybody where you're from, what your passions are, and how the two of you met. Because I know this from binging all 400 and something, a lot of episodes. <laughs> uh, but for those who are not familiar with you, I'd love if they could know how you two uh, came into the pair that you are. Yeah, so Lindsay and I met when I was auditioning for Soul Cycle. So I was someone that was in the corporate world. I had a bunch of different jobs. I was in consulting, account management. I did sales. I did events. I was really jumping around and was really in search of my purpose. I wanted to feel on purpose. I wanted to feel like my gifts were being used for the greatest good and that my life meant something. And when I moved to New York for my now husband, I found Soul Cycle and I was like, oh my gosh, we can move, we can dance, we can, you know, listen to music, we can be in community, we can, you know, just be embodied. This is the best. And I was like, I want to quit my job and I want to be a Soul Cycle instructor. So I, you know, did everything I could to be the best instructor ever. I got super in shape. I was meeting with people. I was like riding all the time. And I auditioned in New York and I didn't get it. So when I was like, I want to audition again, I'm not going to stop. I thought it'd be a better chance in Los Angeles. And my fiance and I wanted to move to Los Angeles anyways. And so we ended up moving to Los Angeles where I auditioned again for Soul Cycle. And through that process, I was like, I need to get inside information from someone that is doing it and someone that's doing it. I had a friend that um, knew Lindsay and um, her name was actually Lindsay, the friend that connected us. But I got connected to Lindsay. We did a FaceTime and Lindsay told me all about the audition process for SoulCycle so that I could get a leg up. She was super helpful. We got along great. And she just gave me basically everything. I auditioned again and I didn't get it. But along the way, I found Lindsay and I started to go to Lindsay's SoulCycle classes. And, you know, we became fast friends and I had quit my job at that time to pursue blogging. And so I had a lot of free time and Lindsay had a more flexible schedule with soul cycle and acting so we just were like really close there was this feeling that we both had that was like this is different than other friendships and i'll you know never forget i felt like i had that missing puzzle piece of my life where i felt like 
okay, now this is it. Like I can move forward with my life with figuring out what my purpose is. So in our conversations where I was super sad about SoulCycle, I was so depressed that I didn't have a purpose yet. And I felt there was no meaning in life and all of these things. And Lindsay was going through, you know, her own struggles at the time. We thought, you know, we can't be the only ones that feel like life is not what we thought and that we'd have the answers by now and that, you know, we're still not who we want to be or we're on the path to becoming who we want to be. And so we decided to create a podcast and we just promise to show up as ourselves and promise to help people feel less alone and really just on the path of discovering who we are with, you know, our podcast together. So we launched it in 2016 and it's been, you know, five years since, and it's just been the greatest gift for both of us and our friendship. And it's been super powerful in helping us become who we are today. That's awesome. And wait, so I heard New York and then LA. Mm -hmm but you're not originally from those places. So where are you guys originally nope. from? I'm from Ohio. So I'm from a small town in Ohio, outside of Cincinnati. And so I grew up where it was like, our house was like the first of cornfields and then it became a golf course and it was like evolving pretty quick. And then I lived in Chicago for a little bit outside of school and then New York and then LA. Gotcha. And I grew up in Pennsylvania. It's actually funny. We were the first in the cornfields too and then it developed really quickly. I don't think we've... Wow, that's actually weird. <laughs> that's so weird. I remember like dirt biking and like being in the fucking dirt mound. Yes. They were, like, Ours, we had st- so many stray cats because <laughs> it was like a field. There was literally like tons what? of stray cats. <laughs> but yeah, wow. I grew up in Pennsylvania, oldest of four kids. And yeah, it was, it was a sweet, you know, suburban life. And then I went to school in Boston and then headed to New York shortly after. Nice, nice. Now I, I gotta, I gotta. It's this is more so for you, Krista, just because I'm just waiting for you to say that you're officially coming to Austin because I renewed my lease. Okay, so you, you got a whole said. other year to, to get here because I was about to jump ship, and then you told me to wait. I might hire you, and then life picked up, and I was like, yeah, you need to wait. But Lindsay, you're back in New York, and so I know that you guys have been going through a lot of transition. You know, Chris, like you said, you just got married, which, by the way, totally creeped on every single post from that wedding because it was gorgeous. And it's funny because my sister is actually going to Cabo next weekend for her birthday. And I was sitting here, I'm like, if you find your way over here, take pictures because I need to know. It was gorgeous. I'm glad you guys got to to take some time and celebrate your union there. You know, obviously you guys know I'm a diabetic, right? And and that's, you know, the biggest part of this show, but I really wanted to evolve it in a way that wasn't just about my journey, wasn't just about being type two, but highlighted just the diabetic community as a whole and everybody who can flow in and out of that. And so one thing that I realized in the process of trying to to deal with my diagnosis is when I started listening to podcasts, a lot of my, you know, transition and growth and things that you guys talk about on your show were big pieces of why I'm even managing better today. So I really wanted to take some time to pick y'all's brains on the big key points that comes up in the diabetic journey, like body acceptance and image and discipline and things like that. But one question that I like to ask everybody as it takes, you know, kind of caters to their uh, expertise is a misconception that I love for everybody to break. Now, y'all are diabetics, so I don't expect you to know any misconceptions to break there. But you guys talk so much about spiritual and emotional evolution and transition. And so I'm curious to hear from each of you, what's one misconception about you know, your spiritual walk or journey that you want to just debunk now, because 
as we've all been going through our own spaces of evolution, especially after the past year, I think a lot of people hear a lot of things and make decisions based off of what they hear, but not really understanding what's factual, what's not. So I'd love to know, and Lindsay, we'll start with you, you know, what's something that you feel is a misconception about, you know, doing your spiritual journey and, and discovering yourself? Yeah, this one might seem obvious, but I feel like I've really come to a very like full body understanding of this that like it's twofold there's not this end destination that I'm working towards when it comes to spirituality you know it is it can quickly become very goal-oriented and very, yeah, very goal-oriented and just like checking the box, if you will. And I think where I've found my most clear sense of who I really am and what I'm connected to is when I have enough space to actually do that. And that usually involves like simplicity, being out in nature, nothing scheduled, listening to birds. You know, it's like very outside of the meditations and the sound baths, which by the way, all are a part of the practices and things I love to do. And so much of my spiritual journey is in those in-between moments not when they're marked by like spiritual community and spiritual activity. So that misconception that, you know, there is an end goal, there is a goal at all, I think that I've debunked. And it's that practice in the every moment that becomes the spiritual moments that I really feel are profound. You know, the ones that I didn't really, I didn't really expect, <laughs> if that makes sense. Yeah. Totally. Totally. Thank you for that. What about you, Krista? Love that. It's beautiful. I think for me, what I've realized in my spiritual journey is that I think there's the assumption that it's easier to be optimistic and that optimism isn't cool and that optimism is unintegrated and that optimism is unfounded in reality. And I think that optimism is like the harder choice. Being happy is actually the harder choice. And pessimism is the more socially accepted route. Pessimism is the easier route. Pessimism is a default for the way that we operate. And I remember growing up in Ohio, that was really the default. Pessimism was like the standard. And I feel like in my spiritual path, I really realized how when you work to rewire your brain or rewire your thoughts, it's like you actually really have to work to be on the side of optimism and joy. And it actually takes a lot more effort. And it's actually the more brave and bold choice than pessimism. And although it's not seen as cool or as integrated or as like in reality, it's like the most true. So I really have realized how powerful being optimistic is. Yeah. And I think to that point, <clears throat> excuse me, I think um, not shaming people for being optimistic because I have those mm -hmm. tendencies where, you know, people are like, why aren't you optimistic? And, you know, you just seem to always look on the bright mm -hmm. side. I'm like, I, it, it doesn't serve me to not 
You know, I can definitely mm-hmm. think about all the things that could go wrong, but that's not going to mm-hmm. charge me forward. You know, don't make me feel bad about that. Join the party. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you might learn mm-hmm. something. So it's definitely mm-hmm. interesting to have an understanding that it does take work. You know, I don't just wake up yes. and decide like, all right, cool. I'm just going to bounce around being obnoxiously smiling in everybody's faces. Like it takes work to truly be okay yeah. and, and decide that I'm going to look through life in this lens, knowing that yep. shit gets weird, knowing that it's not easy, mm-hmm. knowing that uh, some days I'm ready to fight everybody, you know, but mm-hmm. I got to choose it because in the long run, you know, I don't want to be bitter and I don't want to be jaded because uh, I allowed the world to piss me off so much. So I love mm-hmm. that. Thank y'all for that. So one of the subjects that I love that y'all talk about a lot is just the general messiness of discovering yourself. I know with Almost 30, it was, you know, like you said, the transition from your 20s to your 30s and and only to realize life is a transition all the time. And even from someone with a chronic condition, I had to transition into understanding a lifestyle. I'm literally got my CGM sitting right here just in case it goes off and I got to go run and get some juice. I think I think I'm pretty (laughs) good, though. You know, all of these different moments and things that you have to fold into your life. I've heard you guys talk about, you know, in so many different ways. So I wanted to ask you guys, starting with you, Lindsay, about what was that point in your life when you decided I'm going to focus on learning and understanding who I truly am? And, you know, how did you start to dive deep into that? Yeah, I I think it's I think those moments have happened a few times in differing degrees. You know, I feel like when shortly before I met Krista, I got out of a long-term relationship that was just really not aligned in the grand scheme of things. And I had been putting up with just bad behavior for quite some time. And I was overextending myself and really losing myself in the relationship. And that was a point when that relationship ended. I, that was a point in which it was so obvious that I had lost myself in that, that it truly shocked me. Like I got out of that relationship and it was like, as if I was in a washing machine for four years and I got out, I was like, which way is up and who am I? It was Mm -hmm. like, it sent me into a depressed state because I was just so hard on myself for letting that happen. And then for ending the relationship in the way that I did, I, I ended up cheating on him at the end. And so that like rock bottom for me was a huge wake up call. Um, And short, very shortly after that, I got the opportunity to go out to LA to open up a studio for Soul Cycle. And I think God was like, okay, here you go. Cause I I know you need a change. And so I didn't even blink. I just said, yes. And LA for me was such a blanket of permission to begin to be who I really am, you know? And I think I have always been curious. I have always been like head in the spiritual clouds a little bit, but I never felt really safe to be that way with the people that I was around, whether it was family or friends. And so LA, it's like, it's commonplace and we hear it a lot and it sounds kind of cliche and cheesy, but it's a really magical place, you know, like it's not uncommon that we get together for a, you know, women's circle and do meditations and sound baths and things. And I just really felt that was the time that I was really being called to not be so hard on myself 
to gently peel back layers and to really allow myself to be seen for who I really was. And I think the podcast just was the huge like door blown open to that and to have Krista as a partner see in me what I thought I saw in myself and then have us just support each other through this. And yeah, it was just a, it was a really, it was a really powerful time. And I feel like it's happening again right now, moving to New York. I'm having to just look at a few relationships that I have within my family, even with Sean, like it's just always calling me to understand myself better. And I just think as time goes on, because there isn't that quote end goal, like I talked about earlier, it's just, oh, wow. Like I feel so blessed to be in relationships and circumstances and in experiences that are teaching me more about who I really am. It's instead of it being this burden of, oh God, here we go again. I got to have a hard conversation. I got to you know, talk about this in therapy. It's wow. What a gift. I like, I get to do this. Wow. Yeah. Uh, no thoughts there. I'm just, <laughs> Krista, what'd you like to say? I think for me, mine, I've, I think I've always been in my life, someone that's been the seeker, someone that's been just a questioner. I'm like forever a questioner. I was writing books to aliens when I was really young. I was like doing projects on the Bermuda Triangle. I like every time we were doing anything in school or I was always just like, why are we doing this? Like, why is everyone doing this? I've always been a why asker, even to like an annoying degree. And it was something that was like in my high school days and my college days was like painful because I was like, what is this world? What is going on? Like, why are we acting this way? Why are we talking this way? What is, why are we learning this? All of this kind of stuff. And it was hard for me to be in that. And so I used to drink and party and all of that. And then as I got older and really discovered meditation and really read a few books that really opened my eyes, I was able to temper that feeling and really integrate that questioning to be something that unfolded as positive, as a positive outcome for me rather than a negative one where I was like, why are we here? It was like, why are we here? Like, how can I dance with these questions instead of really making them be the pain of my existence. And then it's really just continued and integrated more and more. And, you know, I've had hard times with it and I've had really beautiful times with it, but it's been much more fun than ever before, I think, to really be in that space of like spiritual evolution and questioning and growth. That's awesome. Yeah, it's it's definitely interesting because I know a lot of folks, whenever you come into the medical side of things, that's usually the catalyst that decides to, to push you into uh, mm-hmm. making changes because it's my life is literally on the line if I don't. And, you know, similar to both of you, it's always been a, a factor in the back of my mind. My dad was always one to push us to understand why do you do what you do? But it wasn't until my diagnosis that I was just like, okay, no, really, what's going on? Where am I at? And it was more of a connector for me because I don't think I really took off until about two years ago where I was you know, pushed into challenging things that I didn't think I was going to, honestly, and really starting to have, especially with my family, deeper conversations and feeling like I actually can say my words and not back down because I'm the child. And then even so, even with my partner now, like, all of the stuff that I was doing in past relationships forced me to have to shed all of that because it was just like, oh, it's easy. I could just fall into this because it's habitual at this point. And he was like, no, nah, I'm not taking that shit. Like, 
whatever that is, clean that up, (laughs) you know, and pushing me to expand and to grow. And so add to that, okay, if I'm going to expand, I have to check myself with this condition. I can't just let it run rampant like I did the first two years. And that kind of cycled me into this phase of, like you said, Chris, asking why and understanding what makes me and do I like me? I think that was a big question I had. I was like, do I actually like myself? If I ran into myself today, like, would I be like, hey, she's cool. I want to be friends with her. And for a while, the answer was no. <laughs> like, I would not want to deal with myself. Uh, ooh, especially like six, year, six years ago, 23-year-old 20, Taylor. Yeah. Glad y'all didn't meet her. She was not. But, you know, it's all of these moments that I think of it like a, a flick to the head. And you don't notice it until it gets harder and harder. And then it's a full-on slap in the face. And it's crazy how those moments can build up. It doesn't have to be this one big defining moment. Yeah. So. Yeah. And I think that's huge about liking yourself too. You know, it's a lot of people are like, you know, self-love and love yourself, love the skin you're in, blah, blah, blah. It's actually really hard to love yourself. You know, are, we weren't really taught how to like unconditionally love people or things or anything for that matter. Our parents didn't always necessarily show us unconditional love. So it's, you have to learn to like yourself before you even love yourself. You have to like, and like, enjoy or not be like annoyed by or disgusted by yourself before you really get to that point where you're like fully loving yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I actually had a conversation with someone on Clubhouse. We were talking about body image and she was like, you can just start with body neutrality. It doesn't have to be this big leap into, I love every piece of myself, you know, so suddenly it's just, I can just be okay Mm -hmm. with where I'm at. And I think that's especially, you know, navigating the wellness and spirituality space. That's what we're seeing. We're seeing the rock bottom and then the I made it and and not really seeing that in between journey of it's okay to just be okay. I'm appreciative though, that a lot more people are starting to share that because especially in the diabetic community, most people are starving for like, when do I get to that space where I'm in range, where, you know, I'm getting good news from the doctor. And it's just, I'm just now, literally as of last week, my endocrinologist is like, hey, whatever the hell you're doing, keep at it. I don't even think you need your CGM anymore. I was like, doc, if I didn't have this, I wouldn't be at this point. So I had to go through about five years of just fucking it all up first (laughs) in order to get here. And I don't want anybody to mistake that it took me five years to get here and that it's okay that it took me five years to get here. Could I have done it sooner? Sure. But I had to fall on my face a couple times to figure that out. So yeah, that in-between space is, it's so appreciated. And my therapist brings it up all the time. She's like, I think you're in this middle space again. I'm like, how do I keep ending up here? When do I get to the end? (laughs) I was fighting for so long and then I was like you know it's actually kind of cool because I can't go back you know there's no way to go back to that in between it's like once you're past it you're past it you got to move on to the next thing yeah I'm really curious as to the stuff that you guys had to let go of in order to stay aligned with it because there's so much resistance that you feel when you try to chart your own path and there's so many opinions and voices and whether that's close to you or you know super distant from you you know there's a thing that I've understood of like something's going to fall away and I've come into this mindset of like a balance of not being too attached and like really absorbing things in that moment and being like hey if, if this was over right now cool but that's really hard like straight up it's hard so I'm curious as to the things that you guys have had to let go of as you were you know really just pursuing like standing out as yourselves and uh, Krista I'd love to start with you yeah that's a great question I think for what did I have to let go of I think i really had to let go of a lot of relationships 
and people. And, you know, for a long time, I had this idea that like you were a good person if you were in consistent relationships with people forever, that it was like, you know, the longer you're friends with someone, the better, the more consistent your friends, the better, the more consistent you are, the better you are. Like I had to really let go of that belief that consistency meant I was good or consistency meant I was on the right path. And really it's been my most inconsistent moments that have been the most fruitful for me. And there's like an unlearning I've had to do around the belief that my path be just this upward trajectory or it will make sense or it will lead me to the end, which is this beautiful, happy ending journey of me being at my dream house, blah, blah, blah. It's, you know, you really have to let go of any idea of you want of your life and really just live it instead of thinking that it's going to be a certain way or wishing it was a certain way or wishing that you were still in relationship with people that you know, you've grown apart from or that you've, you no longer align with. There's a lot of letting go that on your spiritual path, you really have to do. And I think you have to continue to come back to it and remember that like you and your relationship with your soul is number one. Mm -hmm. And like your tendency to your soul and your soul's path is always number one. And, you know, no one or no relationship should be in the way of that. Mm hmm. And that's it. Mic drop. We can end it right there. <laughs> <laughs> Lindsay, what about you? Oh, man. I, and I feel like I'm still doing this, but very early on, I had to start to let go of, and our coach, Aaron Rose, put this into words the other day, and it just went off like a light bulb. It was, you don't owe anyone continuity. And, you know, my path, especially like my career path and my purpose path has felt just like a big old zigzag. You know, I went to a really good college. So like in parents' minds, it's okay, good college means good job. means this. And while I'm really proud of my job and what I do, it's no one would ever see that as the path. I really had to zigzag, whether it was working at three bars, I was fit modeling, I went to soul cycle, I was acting, I was doing all of these things and, and leading up to the podcast and now doing music. And I feel like it'll always be like that. And, mm -hmm. you know, I've just learned it's who I am. And a big lesson in my life is that letting go of needing to get the validation from other people that I'm on the right path, you know, and it's been my work over the last few years in particular to, to get the validation for myself, you know, and stop looking for it outside of me. And I actually really love that. Like I can't present continuity in my career. It's, it makes sense to me. It's mm -hmm. exciting to me. It's inspiring to me. And yeah, if it makes other people feel a certain way, that's really not my responsibility to take on or manage. Yeah, me and my dad actually talked about that same thing when we were at uh, dinner a couple nights ago about, you know, it's not your job to manage other people's emotions. And, uh, and maybe it's our kindred Virgo spirits because we were talking about like constantly seeking validation from other people. And especially when you're in an, you know, entertainment like industry, that's what you're taught. You know, that's what you're taught. Is you don't 
you're not relevant if you don't have the crowds of people, if you don't have, you know, the praise and the tears and all of these things. When in reality, some of the greatest people that we see in entertainment, they're great because they don't care. They do it for themselves. They do it because it makes them feel good. And that was something that I was running into since deciding to pursue my own path and step out of, you know, the corporate space of finding those small moments where I'm like, oh my God, I'm doing this stuff. And I don't have the crazy vanity numbers. I don't have all of the, you know, social media norms that, you know, people are saying should be there. And people are paying attention to me. And I keep forgetting, like, when you think they're not watching, they're watching, you know, don't assume that it's not happening. And I had to start clapping for myself. You know, those nights where I'm staying up till three in the morning and I still need to finish five more videos to edit, you know, hey, at least I did it and I get to sleep now. You know, all of these moments that were smaller validation points for me of would I trade this in to go back to working for somebody else? Mm -hmm. And as long as that answer is still, you know, no, cool. And if I get to a point where it's yes, then all right, I might need to shift some things, but to be okay with shifting things. And I think that's something that a lot of people don't and I feel like it's everybody has to come to their own realization for it and acceptance of it because you can hear it, see it all day long, but if you don't accept it, you know, you can't take action on it. But um, really just being okay with, I can change things if I want to. I don't have to stay stuck here. And if, even if I don't know what I want to do, I'm allowed to try it all. And I don't need anyone's permission to try it all. And that's, I think, a piece of me that I stifled for a long time because I used to feel bad, mm. you know, mm-hmm. um, oh, I'm supposed to do this and follow this exact, you know, uh, path and then I'll arrive. And even, you know, for a while, my mom, her growing up in, in Asia, that was the understanding is you need to get stability, you know, and I mm-hmm. wanted to try everything in school. And she's like, stick to one thing mm-hmm. so you can have a scholarship. Mm-hmm. I'm like, mm-hmm cool, but I don't want to do that. I just, can I go try this now? Like I was that kid. Can I be in band and do gymnastics and play volleyball and play soccer Mm. and, you know, be in theater? Like I wanted to do everything and I don't like feeling bad for trying things. And my partner and I, we even had a a ribbon at one point because he's really patient. He's really good at sticking to plans and, you know, trying things in the right timing for him. And for me, I'm like, if I want to learn how to code, I'm going to learn how to code and then I'm going to go paint later. Like, I'm just going to, I'm just going to stick my hand in it. I can't, I don't like waiting and I do appreciate that there's a moment to be patient in that. But for the most part, if I'm going to look back on this moment and be mad that I didn't try it, then I'm going to, I'm going to jump in. And so I feel like a lot of people struggle with that because society doesn't really teach us that. And I'm learning more and more. It's because somebody didn't like the rules. And they decided to make everybody else uncomfortable. So mm-hmm. I'm not down with that. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I want to shift gears a little bit uh, and pick your brain, Krista, because I know this is also something that you've talked about a lot um, on y'all's show, and that's body acceptance and, and body image. And that is probably one of the biggest things that you witness in the diabetic community. And there's a lot, especially when you start to get into the variation of types, that you see people, I even did this, of you know, if I say I'm diabetic, there's an immediate assumption of what your potential type of diabetes is. And so I've experienced people mm-hmm. saying to me like, oh, you know, oh, so you're taking insulin. OK. And I'm like, no, I'm type two. And the minute I say type two, it's, oh, all you need to do is just drop the weight or, oh, you caused your diabetes because you weren't doing this, that and the other, you know, and you start to experience another layer of body shaming 
because everybody assumes that one type means you're supposed to be obese and the other type means you're supposed to be this. And so you see a lot of people uh, in the community who experience eating disorders and all types of uh, depression and things, because now not only are we getting it from a societal view, but then you walk into the doctor's office and they say, oh, just drop 50 pounds and that's it, you know, and it's really not. And so I've really appreciated your episodes about your journey in learning to be okay with where you're at, not pressuring yourself to follow all the diets and things like that. And even the other round circle episode that you guys did was really powerful of just like realizing that the demons don't immediately go away, but sometimes it's okay to sit there and be like, all right, friend, cool, but it's not, we're not going to stay like this, you know? So I would love to just hear your relationship with your body as it is now for sure, because, you know, you've done a lot of work to be okay with it, but what was it like leading up to that point as well, if you don't mind? Mm. Yeah, of course. And just on your point of the diabetic thing, I think it's super interesting of how people always have an opinion. And I think this happens a lot with moms. Mm. You know, like mothers, people get their opinion. You know, people just have opinions like on people's bodies and the way they should live their life and just find that fascinating. But so my body journey, you know, I've always been someone that felt uncomfortable in my body. I, you know, I think every woman in my family felt like food was a threat mm -hmm. to them. And we were always really uncomfortable at mealtime. We always, you know, were comparing one another. It was always the goal to lose weight. You know, we were always constantly talking about our weight and it was just like an obsession within my family. I grew up chubby when I was little, really loved sweets. It was like where I found comfort, you know, within my household that felt like a little crazy. And as I got older, I started to get insecure with how I looked. I had comment, people make comments. And then I ended up losing a lot of weight in high school and was eventually like someone that was like pretty or attractive or, you know, someone that became like someone that had a body that everyone wanted, not everyone that people wanted. And so I realized, oh my gosh, the way you get love is by being this size. And, you know, throughout my life, I've had to temper that and had to re unlearn that love is not from being that certain size. And I've gone up, you know, 15, 20 pounds, I've gone down. So I've gone around the gamut through different dieting and, you know, even diet pills at one time and working out and all this kind of stuff. But it got to the point where I was living in Los Angeles when I first moved here that, you know, I was like sick. I had adrenal fatigue. Mm -hmm. My hormones were completely out of whack and my body was not going to do what I wanted it to do, which was to continue to shrink after being like the lightest I had ever been. Mm -hmm. And so I had to really face myself. I had to really face my demons. You know, I had to face the conversation and the mindset that I had around food and the constant comparing of what I was eating and, you know, all of that. It was more internal. I never was someone that was really looking outside or really watching anyone else. But I did have this like energy within me that was like just very aware of what my body looked like or felt like. And so I had to really start to do the work in therapy and in unlearning and in subconscious reprogramming and in journaling and in really just allowing myself to eat whatever I wanted for a couple of years and gaining weight and being at my nightmare weight, you know, the, the weight that would normally make me so scared. Mm. 
and realized that everything was okay and that I actually could have a better life and people loved me more and that my life continued to get better even though my weight was its highest ever been. You know, I've been up and down still, but it's like something I still really struggle with and something that I think is still really painful and still really hard. And I think right now my main goal is to just not accept every invitation that my mind has around my body and the conversation that it wants to have. So oftentimes our thoughts are invitations, you know, it's, ooh, do you want to think about what you're going to eat today? Do you want to think about what you're going to, how you're going to work out today or what are you going to wear? And, you know, we don't have to say yes to every single invitation that we have around our body. So that's really my goal right now. But my intention with the way that I share is really to make people feel less alone because I know that shame wants to get you alone and shame wants to keep you alone and shame wants to make you feel like you're the only one. So although it's not perfect and I'm not like the shiny example of, you know, everything wrapped in a bow, I just want to share, you know, what's on my heart. Yeah, no. And and I think because of that, you are the example. You are wearing the bow because people are getting to see that in between. And, and I think that's something, you know, a little bit to Lindsay's point of it's a never ending journey in a way, because it's not the last time that your body's going to change. And I think that was something I had to also accept for myself was like, mm-hmm. you know, even though I'm controlled, as they say in, in diabetic terms, it doesn't mean that it won't shift again. You know, if I decide to have kids, I'm automatic high risk simply because I have this condition, even if it's in the best you know state possible. And so being willing to, I love that, of the invitation of, do I want to accept this invitation or not? Because it's going to keep changing. And I don't think mm-hmm. we were ever meant to not keep changing. I think our bodies mm-hmm. are the way that they are so we can experience all different avenues mm-hmm. of it. And we've just been conditioned to think that it needs to stay in one lane and it doesn't. And so mm-hmm. I'm about to steal that whole invitation thing. It just If you see it pop yeah. up, I'll, I'll try to credit you. So I'll tag you all. So I want to uh, shift over to you, Lindsay, because your kind of solo episodes, which I know I've, I've, I've even DM'd you a couple of times where I'm just like, dude, I had to listen to this like back to back a couple of times, but uh, I loved your episode on discipline. And I think I've referenced it in in one of my past episodes because it just hit me so hard because one thing about this lifestyle, honestly, is there's a lot of numbers, a lot of data, and there's a lot of habits that you have to, I don't want to say have to, but there are a lot of habits that are helpful in order to keep you in line, in order to ensure that I'm not straining my body anymore than necessary when it comes to being a diabetic. And you talk about discipline as an ally. And up until that day, I heard the word discipline and, you know, I'm with the military man. So that's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking there's a drill sergeant in my face spitting all over me, telling me I need to drop and give him 50 and I'm going to look at him and say, no, (laughs) you know, like that's always my reaction to that is that discipline is this dark cloud of you just need to push yourself through this versus uh, a way of building intentional habits. Because I I never thought about motivation just being simply an emotion and and it comes and goes, you know, just like it. And discipline is the thing that stands in. So I would love to, you know, understand like, how did you even change your mindset to see discipline as something that's valuable versus something that, you know, can feel heavy, um, especially because we, we have the tendency to attach such heavy emotions to certain words instead of just letting them be the word that they are. So I'd, I'd love to, to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah, no, thank you for asking that question and listening to the episode. Yeah, I just realized how powerful my mind was, you know, and I was like, wow, 
same as you. Every time I heard someone say, just be more disciplined. My dad would say that to me a lot. I feel like I've gotten that from a lot of like teachers and mentors along the way. And I was like, but I'm a creative. I need, to, I need to roll around in an open field and have a notebook and just be free. And what I realized was that like, I was depriving myself of a really healthy structure that my creativity craved. And just like a mm. child, you know, I think like, a child, a puppy, they need that discipline and those quote rules or that authority figure, which is how I see my discipline at times in order to feel safe, to be free, safe to play, safe to fill in the blank. And so I realized that my creativity was not being fully expressed because I wasn't being disciplined around it. So it just didn't feel safe to come out, if that makes sense. I needed to create this routine structure, expectation, rhythm, where it could come out and be like, oh yeah, okay. She respects me enough to create the schedule, to dedicate the two hours in the morning, to uh, meditate before she sits down and does her songwriting for a few hours. like. She respects me enough and I feel safe to come out and see who I'm going to be today, you know? And, and I just, and I said it in the episode, but we all des- deserve that discipline. And I think mm-hmm. we, we see so, so many parts of our lives as structured and scheduled and rigid that we just crave that quote freedom. But are we really creating that discipline around the things that we really want to do? You know, I was walking with a friend this morning and I was like, you know what? And she's a songwriter and a musician. And I was like, it's funny. I get up and I'm disciplined and I get coffee every day because I know I like my coffee. I know it makes me feel good, blah, blah, blah. I'm disciplined every single day. I'm like the discipline around getting up and like, riffing on a song for an hour is so much harder to do. And so how can I really hold that practice much more lovingly and seriously? And so discipline for me is really that. Yeah, I think I love how you phrased it. Yes, just y'all just know how to phrase stuff. I just I should have brought a notebook. Like my, my note-taking habits are just like, oh, I got to write this down, you know, <laughs> but, you know, yeah. to say I respect myself enough. And I think it's so hard sometimes for us to flip that because, you know, we don't want to see it as we're being down on ourselves. It's just, no, I love this gift enough. I love, you know, myself mm-hmm. enough, or I, I want to make sure that this condition is in check enough that I'm going to do the right steps in order to do that. And I'm going to build this container to allow that to expand and, and be what it needs to be. You immediately think made me think of, uh, fun fact, I went to school for studio art. I thought I was going to be in New York. Honestly, I tried to get an NYU and then I gave up at the last second because I got nervous. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I thought I was going to be painting and drawing all of my life. I thought I was going to have the big New York loft and I was going to open a gallery and do all these things. Um, 
because, you know, that's what you do. And I was like, I'm not going to do the starving artist thing. Like people going to be buying my pictures, you know, but I struggled with the fundamentals of it because I know what I see in my head and all I want to do is just make it that it comes out. I, I don't want to work through, you know, the arm drills that you have to do whenever you start drawing or whenever you're painting. I don't want to have to sit and stare at a bowl of fruit every art teacher wants to make you do and draw or paint it. You know, I want to create from what I see from my head. But to think about, and it's actually something reminds me of something that my dad uh, mentioned when I thought I wanted to play guitar. He There's these little, Lindsay, you might know what he's talking about. It's these little finger trainers mm -hmm. and it's got these springs in it. And when I told him I wanted to play, he's like, I want to see you doing this every day. Just tapping your fingers back and forth on your thumbs, your nails. You might give that up because uh, you're going to get nice and callous and all this stuff like that. And he's like, when I see that you do that on a regular basis, then I'll take you seriously. And I saw it as a punishment and not, mm -hmm. I really want to do this bad enough. So if I really want to do this bad enough, I'm going to do this drill because it's for the betterment of being able to do this. And I think there's so much around discipline that makes us think that the fundamentals of that, of whatever it is that you're doing, whether that's just basic, making sure you're getting your water in every day or you know doing finger drills so you can play the guitar better, we see it as a punishment because we just want to get to the end goal of, I want to be able to do this magical thing. So I, I love that of that, you know, I respect myself mm -hmm. enough to do these tasks and to give me boundaries to run around and be free in versus thinking that you don't need the boundaries because that means that you're tied in. That's great. I, I need to that. meet that. Oh, you guys totally know, need to come with that. You guys will love like, him. Wow. Uh, we have these kind of conversations all the time. And if y'all could have been a fly on the wall, we were at dinner, you know, like, He's always been the person that I could talk to about, you know, expansive stuff. And he's never, yeah. I've never felt like he's held me back in any way. I mm. feel like there have been moments where like what he believed rubbed wrong and what I believed. And it was just like, mm. we just have to respect each other and understand that. But it's because we, he says all the time, we're so crazy in love with each other. Like it's not anger, oh. it's passion, you know? And when we have our conversations, um, you know, we, he always said, you, you feel me on this. Like, we try to do the politically correct sayings with it. And it's just, nah. And it's, yeah, spit it out, spit it out. And so we have these these back and forth, and they're so great. Uh, I keep telling them to start a podcast. <laughs> yes. You keep talking to me about it. You're editing mine all the time. So if you're listening back to this, Tony G. Turner, and I'm going to make sure Aww. that you listen back to this part. You heard it here first. Anyways. Yeah, yeah, it's great. So I would love to end things on uh, a note that I love to do with every guest. And I would love for each of you to share what's one piece of advice that you would give someone who is starting their transitional journey, who's starting their evolution. Like, what would be the one thing that you would say to them if you could? And Krista will start. I'd say we're all starting our journey. You know, it's we're all in it together where there's no end, like Lindsay said earlier, and there's no real beginning. It's we're all on the path. And although may pe people may seem further along or whatever, it's we're all real new souls to it all. Mm. And to just really be gentle with yourself and not take yourself too seriously. I think when we get on the path at the beginning, this was, you know, my experience. I took it so seriously. I was like, oh my gosh, I was dead set on my routines, my manifestation, my reading, all this stuff. I was just really serious about it and I was really obsessed with it. And, you know, 
if that works for you, that's really important. But I just say, don't take it too seriously. Like life is not that serious. The path is not that serious. And when you get to a point where you realize everything isn't that serious, it's that's the true spirituality is the fun and the laughter and the play. So the end goal really is the play. So make sure to really bring that along with you as you go through your journey. Very nice. Very nice. What about you? I Lindsay? agree. I would add... I don't know. I feel like every single relationship that we're in, like whether it's family, friends, romantic, our bosses, our coworkers, our neighbors, I really love to take enough pause and have enough presence to realize that there is a purpose to the relationship much be like much bigger than just borrowing flour from a neighbor or the fact that they're my mom, you know, it's like, it's so much deeper. And like, I just feel like God is so good in that way. And I do feel like there can be some relationships that feel like they're throwing us off of our spiritual track, you know, it's my boss, you know, this, that, the other thing. And it's really taking those moments to just ask for the lesson, ask for the clarity, because every single relationship does have a purpose and they might be ones that last forever and they might be just a season, but it's always so purposeful and they're all a part of your spiritual path. Spoken by the best. Thank you both. Wow. So I don't want it to end, but... You know, I have to be an adult and respect time and things like that. <laughs> you know, if people want to continue this conversation with you guys in other ways, where can they find you? I believe you guys have something exciting coming up soon, if I'm not mistaken. So please tell me more about that. But yeah, how can people connect with you and, and continue to, to have these thoughtful conversations? Yeah, I'd say um, Almost 30 on all places you listen to podcasts, Almost 30 podcast, almost30.com. And we have Camp Almost 30 coming up, which is our free virtual wellness and spirituality event. We have Roddy DeBlukia Shetty. We have Debbie Brown, Aaron Abke, Africa Brooke, Elisa Romeo, Terry Cole, some amazing people speaking. Lindsay and I are both speaking as well, Jazz the Moon Mother. And it's just going to be incredible. We really just want to create a space where people can feel inspired. And, you know, after such a hard year, feel like there's hope for the change in the world. And we bring on paradigm shifters and amazing leaders. So that's almost30.com and you can register there for camp. And then membership enrollment is going to be open again. So we have a place where uh, we bring some of our favorite healers, teachers, leaders, and speakers to our community where we can be in intimate conversation. So exciting. And this is so much fun. We we love you so much, Thank Taylor. Taylor. Oh, thanks, guys. This is great. Yeah. You know, double back on that membership. I am a member. Yeah. So definitely hop in. It's I, I appreciate it because I'm able to. I know. I was like, oh, I'm not missing this. Yeah, let me get on here. But it's such a beautiful space. And, and I like it because I can go at my own pace. You know, a lot of places you feel like if you hop in it, you got to stay in it and you're going to miss the, you know, the moments. But even in watching like the replays and things like that, they're still just as powerful. Real talk, keep eyes out for the membership. And I think I can make camp this year. Yay. I, last time I had to watch the replays, but I think I'll actually be able to, to be in on it live. So I'm excited. I mean, I'll make sure everything yeah. is in the show notes for you guys. So it's going to be a good time. Awesome. Be a good time. Can't wait. To see All right. It. We love you so yeah. much. Jay. Thank you guys so much. Thank you guys for listening. It is the last episode. 
So I'll catch you guys. And I don't know when I feel like coming back. Just kidding. I'll let you know what the next drop is. But until then, we'll catch you guys next time. This is hard. I did not want that conversation to end. I hope you guys got a lot from it. So many good things, so many good moments to reflect on and to honestly apply to my own diabetic journey from, you know, the idea of what invitations we accept in our minds, if we want to think about something or not, to, you know, seeing discipline as a way of respecting ourselves as we want to build better habits, whether that's with our diabetes or with the things that we love in life. There's just so many aspects of this episode that I love and appreciate. And for it to come from two people that I admire and care about, even better. I really hope that you guys have appreciated this season, enjoyed this season. I think I I really love doing this, you know, so we'll be back for season four, but we're going to take a bit of time off myself and my amazing audio engineer, who just also happens to be my dad, and take a nice long break, brainstorm on some things and come back even better for season four. I am so grateful to each and every one of you who have listened, who have tuned in, who have followed the show whether that's on Instagram or on your favorite podcast platform. It truly means a lot to me that you care to hear what I even have to say. Even more of the amazing guests, I want to say thank you to all of you who have lent your time, your expertise, and your energy to this show. It means the absolute world to me. So I hope you guys enjoyed the season finale 30th episode almost 30. I definitely was trying to be cute and cheeky with it. But thank you, Kristen Lindsay, so much for all that you do and continue to do and all that you've done for me. Until then, guys, I'm signing off for the season and I will see you soon. Take care.